0: Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks,
1: Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Hour number two of our program. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks. Thanks very much for being with us. Next segment, Brent Beard, First Coast News, joins us to talk SCC football 1st talk a little Georgia athletics baseball and football, and particularly with Jeff Dantzler of the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. You can follow him on Twitter at TV, and we always appreciate Jeffrey being with us. You get to go to the homestead tomorrow night, I mean Wednesday night, don't you? Yeah,
0: looking forward to it. Uh, we're the barnstorming Bulldogs right now. Just uh, <laughs> played Tech Athens, Atlanta, Gwinnett, and now play Georgia Southern and north augusta and then statesboro so it's spring break and certainly looking forward to it so it's a lot of fun as we said bill it's that time of year plus i'm cruising through five points right now buddy it's 76 degrees it's awesome oh man and eight year eight weeks ago what happened 65 to 7 georgia beat tcu to win a second straight national championship eight weeks
1: ago today damn right damn right all right pretty good weekend against the yellow jackets uh one two of three i know they had some people out but still good offensive showing for the dogs and boy charlie condon named the sec baseball co-player of the week he had himself a pretty good week didn't he yeah he,
0: he sure did uh, charlie uh, went oh for four in his first game and uh, since then uh young mr condon there is riding himself a 10-game hitting streak and he's got 20 rbis so he is terrific. He's, he's a first base of my trade, but it has played both corner outfield spots, and uh, he's got a chance to really be a special player. And this Georgia lineup yesterday was was the first time we had really been shut down all year. Lost yesterday four one in the finale, but this is a good lineup uh, one through nine. And, and the big key the last two weekends that Jaden Woods and Liam Sullivan, who are the top two starters, both were outside. Standing in their start so those two combined have had four straight great starts. And when you get into SEC play, you play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three games, and it's just essential to get those good starts, especially in the first two, uh, to, to set up that
1: bullpen for the rest of the series. Absolutely, no doubt. It's good to see those guys getting the the good pitching performances, but boy, we're seeing a lot of offense so far from. It looks like everybody's just hitting the ball. Is, is yeah. it usually this way where the hitting's in front of the pitching? Uh, I, no, th- th- there's a lot of conjecture going
0: around, thinking maybe the ball's too up a little bit right now mm. because the, the the bats, they've actually settled in. And, and, and we went through about a four- or five-year period where they were going up and then down. I mean, Bill, you can appreciate this, being a broadcaster one year on – Say like, there's a long fly ball, and it doesn't even make it to the track. Then you know, <laughs> the two years before that, you say, "Well, this ball's popped out into right, and it's out of here." It, you know, it's so we finally got got kind of kind of used to it with the bats. But it, it, now that I say it, there's some talk. The balls might be a little bit juiced. Yesterday in the first inning, Connor Tate hit a ball that we thought was going back to those apartment complexes, at the Gwinnett compound there. And it didn't even make the warning track. So you don't know, but yet the numbers are up. One of the big things, though, too, Bill, and I know nobody covers Braves better than you do, it's an epidemic in college and in the majors, too, just the number of pitching injuries and the Tommy Uh John, and I don't know what caused the switch. Heck, we could probably do ten shows on this. But remember back when we were coming up in the 80s, it was always the rotator cuff. It was the shoulder yeah, uh, it's the, and I don't know if it's if it's over usage at a young age and, and everybody tells you play different sports, different sports. But just so many teams, it, it, it is across the board deal with pitching injuries. I mean, it's unfortunately with a lot of guys, it's it's kind of like I, I started saying about tailbacks with ACLs. It's not an if, but but a win. And
2: yep. you
1: know, hopefully that's a trend that we can reverse, my friend. Well, you're right. I mean, there, there was uh, a, a kid for the Twins that got shut down with the UCL issue. The, one of the Phillies' top prospects got shut down. We Russ and I always joke about the fact that in March, we hold our breath for Tommy John injuries and in August, it's ACL, you know, with football mm-hmm. practice getting started and everything. But it seems like every every spring we have that and it's a, it's a different game for sure. And they, they want more offense and I think by hell or high water, we're getting it in college and the and the major leagues.
0: No, I, I think you're right, and that there's so many factors that go into this too, and with with, with the specialized pitching, and, and I, I've known it too. And you know, baseball goes through trends; it's all cyclical. But the number of strikeouts, the, the number of walks, you know, the number of home runs. I know I, I call a lot fewer. There's a grounder to short, and on the first in time, it's a lot more strike three swinging or strike three looking, and, and, yep. and, and so much of it is just it, it's kind of the swinging for the fences. I think, and I think back to when I was a light-hitting, weak-arm, sure-glove, little league second baseman, <laughs> we need to bring the shape of the strikeout back. You know, it, it used to be a horrible thing to strike out. Now it's no big deal, but put the ball in play. And, and my goodness, Bill, you know, growing up, I know you were the same way. The worst thing in the world you could do was take a called third strike. It was too close to take, but it's it's just a different era right now. But all it's going to take is somebody to win it in college or the majors kind of going back and, and do it in a different way, and and, and it'll cycle back
1: around. Jeff, how, how many rules are now involved in college baseball compared to what we're seeing and getting ready to see when the season starts in the major leagues? I mean, are, are, have they clamped down on the time and, and really how strict are they about those things? They've been strict, they've clamped down, and it's sped up the game, and it's one of those things, but I always joke,
0: and I think you and I have talked, I used to know what a catch was back in the 80s, but now, you know, the continuation, making the football move. Like, I used to know the rules of baseball pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there have been some called third strikes on guys not being in the box. There have been some ball fours on the pitch clock going down. Uh, the, the way we can summarize it, uh, Dave Johnson, who does a great job as my sidekick for baseball, Dave, is tremendous. And mm-hmm. uh, we had said for years these games were lasting way too long, and it was the stepping off, the stepping out, you know, taking 45 seconds to, to get ready, getting in the box. And it's one of those things, it's kind of like the kids, if you don't police yourself, the parents are going to come in or Big Brother's going to come in, and they're going to put in some rules you don't like. Well, well yep. the bottom line is I mean, these games have just been taken too long, and then we could do another five shows, Bill, on on replay. I mean, to me, replay across the board ought to be you get two challenges, and if you can't tell within 10, 15 seconds, you move on. That was the yeah. original purpose of it. to to you know, basically you could look at the jumbotron and say, oh, he dropped the ball. Or I'm thinking about Don Deckinger, like, oh, now he was clearly out yeah. at first base by a step and a half. And that's what yeah. it was put in for, not, you know, to go over nanoseconds and, and tenths of inches there. But all that stuff together has really slowed the game down. But these new rules, and I know a lot of players have been outspoken, not liking it, but it has sped things up. And, unfortunately, we, we, we kind of did this to
1: ourselves as a game. You're right. The umpires were, were not man enough and have the guts enough to tell people to get their butt in their box and exactly. to do what they needed to do. And and that, that the, the umpiring deficiencies is what has hurt baseball more than anything because you're right, now they have forced these things on here because umpires don't have the guts to tell a batter to get in the box or to tell a pitcher to throw the ball or... You know, to to call the strikes without having to let the catcher move his glove, which is driving me crazy. But anyway, it it is uh, it is a different game, and you're and you're right. the 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 replay is to affirm what the umpires on the field did, not to get the play right. It's a different thing. That's exactly right. And 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 the thing is too, what I've said in college,
0: and I'm always careful about this because a coaches would strangle me, and b. Uh, I'm going to wish away. There's going to be a terrible call that will cost Georgia a game. But uh, the, the, the rate of overturn for replay is in the single digits. And oh. to me, the, the game is so popular and we love it so much. And you've know, you, you got Georgia versus Tech, Clemson versus South Carolina. It's fantastic. But the, the pace of play is more important than getting the call right. And I, I I would be willing to suffer through air quotes there not having replay even if that means every now and then you get hosed because of the pace of play and I, I just I think it's a huge problem and it'd be one thing if if half the calls were getting overturned but they're not so I just think that the the system ought to be in baseball and I would say this for the majors too you get one challenge a game. And you better be if you want to use it in the second inning on a bang bang play, you you really better be sure on it. but like at, at, at Georgia, you know obviously college doesn't have all the technology. The umpires will get together, then they'll decide, and then two of them have to go sprinting you know down the right field line, go back through a side door into our clubhouse, and then you have to link up uh, and it's going to take at least five minutes, and man, does it just kill? absolutely killed the pace of play of the game. So, I just mm. – I, I, again, I, to me, replay ought to be something, like you say, to affirm it, and I think what you just said was spot on, Bill, and, and it ought to be able to be done in, in way under a minute.
1: Yeah, it's it's not about whether the umpires are right or wrong. It's about what is the correct call on the field. There's there's a difference. And right. I, I, I hate that the major league managers or someone have has not – just absolutely gone bonkers during the meetings and the winter meetings or whatever to try to really say we need to fix this because they don't seem like they do and and uh go ahead
0: no no you're exactly
1: right bill and you know i think about it sometimes
0: too i've seen and we've been on both sides of it if you got a pitcher going good and it's a bang bang play I've seen a review, and the ump's are back there for ten minutes. I'm like, that's you know, ridiculous. let's see if it was us who did it. If our guy's throwing a two hitter, and it's two to nothing. We don't need a ten minute delay with him out on the mound right now.
1: Yeah, no, it should it should not be that difficult. But they they've made it difficult, and that that's a shame. Yes. Jeff Dancer, our guest, uh, talking George Athletics. All right, I know you were busy with baseball all weekend long, but I know you, you kept a little bit of an eye on what was going on in Indianapolis with the dogs at the Combine. Sounds like everybody, they all did well for themselves, didn't it?
0: Yes, it, it really did. And, you know, I, I think, to me, Georgia's got five guys who should be locked to be first-round picks, and that's obviously Carter, Smith, Dolan Smith, and Keely Ringo off the defense. And Chris Smith, by the way, is going to be a great steal for somebody in the mid-rounds. And then on offense, Roderick Jones and Darnell Washington. I, know, I mean, how many times, I know for my fellow Georgia fans out there, just go back and watch the highlights of the wins, do you see Darnell just just mauling a guy, you know, pushing him back 10, 15 yards? I mean, I think about Bowers on a catch in the national title game uh, but speaking of it, and how about Brock's block on the first touchdown of the year <laughs> or on McConkie's reverse touchdown run against uh-huh. Mississippi State? Darnell drives a guy like 15 yards. I think in the national title game it was on the first TD drive of the second half. I counted off. We, we just ran a little toss to Brock. And, and I think he pushed his guy 17 yards down the field. So my, my buddy Frank Frangie, who calls the Jags games, uh-huh. I texted him, and, I, and Frank's a good friend, and I said, Frank, draft Darnell Washington. I'm, I'm just telling you, Trevor's 6'6", six six, Darnell's 6'8". Six Those two guys together would be lethal. And he said, I said, we need a tight end, and I agree with you 100%. So, you know, somebody – a lot of times with a tight end, he can be kind of that that cherry on top. It's the one position you can live without having a great one. But if you do have a great one, what a threat that is. But I I just think Tarnell Washington has got a chance to be an
1: absolute steal for somebody middle, late, first round. Well, that's funny you say that. And and the Jaguars have just – franchise Evan Ingram had a great year for them last year. Boy, that would be unbelievable for them if they had now Calvin Ridley. He's just been reinstated. They've got Zay Flowers. They've got Christian Kirk. And if they had Evan Ingram and Darnell Washington, and and we were talking about that earlier with the Falcons, Russ and I, on the show, Jeff, because, look, um, how can you not be tempted to put him with someone like an Evan Ingram or a Kyle Pitts knowing what he did with Brock Bowers these last two seasons at Georgia? 100% agree uh, for for the teams that probably have the most
0: interest from our listener base. And Ingram is more of a quote-unquote receiving tight end. Pitts is more of a a receiving type tight end. Darnell is a big-time tight end who does both equally well. And there's so many teams that go with the the one-back, two-tight end look now. And I I know for me, and Bill, you've known me a long time, I'm a tailback, run-the-football guy, Uh, The the key to happiness in life is throwing when you want to, not when you have to. But my favorite run plays would be when we would bring Darnell in motion and have him block down and run behind him. You know, that's one of those, if you're that linebacker safety coming up, baby, you're going for ankles right there when number zero is coming at you. I I,
1: I can't imagine. I tell you, I just cannot imagine that kind of setup. I I just would be shocked if someone drafts him that does not already have an impactful tight end because they're going to look at that tape of what those two did together on that Georgia offense and say, holy crap, absolutely. And I I would think someone like Arthur Smith – who wants to run the ball anyway, uh, would really be interested in that. So we'll see. But there's no doubt Darnell is – he's a first-rounder. I don't think there's any doubt that he he made himself first-round money with that performance, don't you think?
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, when he went out and ran that 40 time, And like we've said before, Bill, one of the great things and maddening things about the draft, if you're a Falcons fan, I'm sure it's maddening, there is so much time between the national title game and the draft. These teams talk themselves in and out of things. If the yeah. draft, if they did it like the NBA, like if the draft was on February first, there'd be a lot fewer mistakes made by teams. Like I can remember, like Zach Wilson had a good combine, and they were actually, you know, it, maybe it was talking heads and there's disinformation, misinformation. Well, has he potentially passed Trevor Lawrence? And I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> no, he hasn't passed. I mean, this guy. Trevor's the best pick since Andrew Luck. There's no way. But then you start thinking there might be a GM or two if they had that pick who would have possibly talked themselves into it. And that's where the Falcons, when you just – I mean, I can't think of how many games has been Georgia and LSU or Georgia and Alabama in the game where the Falcons play, and you've got 30 – First rounders over the next four years and probably 30 guys getting picked in this draft, and they're going to take a guy from Montana State and San Jose State, and if you're a Falcons fan, (laughs) it's got to drive you nuts. My buddy Robbie Kirk not only lives and dies with Georgia, but also with the Falcons, and I say, you got to lessen the, the denominator, not increase the numerator but his point was always when we were talking, well maybe they could trade down and get the picks or it actually hurt them to beat the Saints like no 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 it it's one thing to get the picks and my buddy Robbie would always say we're going to mess up the pick anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> well maybe this new regime will do better but i, I just, you know it, it'll it'll definitely i think for longtime Falcons fans it,
1: it'll be a Missouri you, you got to show me before you start to believe it right Bill i know I'm with, no, I'm with you. And we, again, we were talking the first hour about uh, two players that are, are either going to get released or traded. Leonard Floyd is going to get let go by the Rams, and you wonder since he has been a sack master for the Rams the last three years if they would look at him. And Russ said there are rumors out this afternoon that Nick Chubb might get traded, and my God, how Whoa. can they not look at that as a possibility with Chubb not being 30, not being at that magic number, Jeff, but at 27 years old, he's got three good years left in him. No, I completely
0: agree. And just the way Nick runs, he his lifespan is going to be longer than the average back as well. But for anybody, if you're talking about having that missing piece and that cherry on top, and, and, and let's just say, I'm not even going to go with the Falcons, let's say the Jags did something – and they drafted Darnell Washington and traded for Nick Chubb. Now you're talking about going not just the favorite to win the AFC South. Then you talk about maybe being in the conversation with Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. Would, you, would right. you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. No question. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a star, and we saw that in the yeah. postseason. We saw it late in the year. I don't think anybody from around here should be surprised by that. We saw it in, at Cartersville. We saw it at Clemson, and he is doing it in Jacksonville, and you put more people around him and protect him with that offensive line, which they've got to do. I I think they can get by with their their improving defense, uh, including Trayvon, to, to get that team to another level and be, would be right there i'm i'm with you i think it'd be unbelievable but yeah it, it's a it's a hot stove league out of control right now with all these all these <laughs> player moves it's a lot of fun isn't it
0: it, it really is and, and i find it funny too when people throw stuff out there and and half of it's coming from agents who want their players going to certain teams but not to others half of it's from teams They they might put some bad Mojo and Juju out on on a player that they want. Let's say they're picking ninth and he's selected and he's predicted to go in the top five. And then just with with the the combine is, to me, more of an affirmation. The teams that draft based on the combine more than game tape, i.e. how good they were in college, are the bad teams. So, again, you you go out and watch, you know, pick out, say, the Georgia-Ohio State game. If somebody played really good in that game, chances are they're going
1: to be a really good pro. Mm -hmm. Well, and to to that end, are you drinking the Anthony Richardson Kool-Aid? No. No. (laughs) No. No. It is flowing right now heavily, isn't it? It's crazy out of control.
0: It it is flowing like uh, Papa Joe's on Nickel Night back in 1987. (laughs) Uh, It is. I mean, Anthony Richards is a tremendous athlete. Is he a guy you could, like what Atlanta did with Desmond Ritter, maybe you take a flyer? But to me, if if you're drafting somebody in the first round, your mindset needs to be, we think this guy is going to be a perennial pro bowler. And if you're drafted in the top ten, you need to be thinking this guy is a potential future Hall of Famer. And a lot of times teams go, go more with, with need than they do with just taking the best player. Like when the Falcons took Jamal Anderson over Adrian Peterson and Patrick Willis um, yeah. at the quote-unquote the sexy positions. And I was screaming at the television in Oxford, Mississippi with the Georgia baseball team. And then Patrick got picked one pick later. Uh, but I digress. But <laughs> if, if you take – If you're drafted a quarterback in the first round, you're thinking should be, all right, this is our guy for the next 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. How could anyone have watched Florida play and say, all right, we're going to take this guy and he's going to be our guy for the next 12 to 15 years. That's not to say he might not turn out to be a good pro, but there is no way he should be taken in the first round or, or, or certainly as a top 10 pick. I, I will levis is in the same boat to me I, I i don't see how you can take that guy in the top 10 but yeah. somebody will because they've got the measurables and then you want that fine line between arrogance and confidence because there's some
1: qb coach out there what's he saying bill i can, I can make him. it work yep
0: yes yes
1: i can make him josh allen i can i can take that mold of clay and make him a star and i I'm with you, though. I still would want to see performance. I'd want to see, well, what did he do against Georgia? What did Will Levis do against Georgia? And I know Georgia's defense was off the world, uh, off the charts, just all world this year. But, my God, you still want to see some some performance and some production. We didn't see it against Georgia with either one of those guys this year. No.
0: You know who we did see it with the last two years? Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Yeah. And – that those Georgia defenses, just like those Bama defenses, and, and that's where the, the shrewd scouts get it, that's as close as you get to an NFL defense. I mean, l- l- let's face it. This, you know, prime Alabama, prime Georgia defenses, every one of those starters is going to get drafted. So you're essentially looking at a future NFL defense. If you can produce
1: against those defenses, you're a dude. Yeah, No, I'm with you. I agree. I, I pray to God they're gone by the Falcons pick because I'm scared to death that Arthur Smith's going to be one of those cocky coaches that you talked about that could say, oh, there's my guy. I'm going to make him a star, and I don't want that to happen for sure. Hey, great stuff. Jeff, uh, we'll talk to you tonight. You'll be on with uh, uh, the, the talk show tonight, right, Bulldogs Live? Yes, it's
0: – yeah, we got a great character. Our softball coach Tony Baldwin. They're seventeen and five. By the way, he's going to be on. And then it's me and KB minus the bacon wrapped shrimp for about twelve minutes. So, <laughs> be a lot of football talk. Hey, I want to throw one more thing out there too. Congratulations, yeah. Georgia's women's tennis coach Jeff Wallace got his eight hundredth career win yesterday.
1: He's had a great career, no question about that. Congratulations to him. And yeah, the spring sports are doing pretty well uh there in Athens town. Jeff, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Hey, favorite part of the week, my friend. You're the best. All right. Jeff Danzler, our guest again in Savannah and Macon. You can hear him tonight. Bulldogs live eight o'clock here on the super stations and uh, Hawks will be on in Brunswick and Blackshear. So we'll have the Hawks on after the Bulldogs live. They're still on. So we'll see what happens with that. But you can hear Plenty of Georgia content, UGA with Jeff Dantzler tonight here on the Superstations. Next, Brent Beard talks more SEC football right after this. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll open the phone lines a little bit later on. First, let's talk more college football with Brent Beard from First Coast News. How are you, sir?
3: Well, we're fresh from television last night, um, and also Friday night, which is kind of unusual. I have a double-dip like that, but you being the veteran will understand that. Uh, Auburn, Bandy, Missouri, Florida, Kentucky, and Morris, Mississippi State, will all uh, have started spring practice LSU North is all coming up in uh Georgia South Carolina and coming up next week. So uh the Big 12, Big 10, um uh and uh Pac-12 are all still trying to survive and uh oh, and just for Bill Shanks, we're cutting down on the uh, number of plays for every game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there are we we're, we're talking about a lot of changes to the baseball. College football's doing it too, right?
3: Well, where they are now is three of the uh, four basically made it. Uh, No back-to-back timeouts, no one time down to the end of the first and third quarter, running clock after first downs gain except two minutes to play the end of the first or second halves. I mean, the back-to-back timeouts icing the kicker is a no-brainer when we thought that might, uh, end up going through. Now, what did not go through, Bill, was clocks running on incompletions. Now, I think that would have taken some, uh, a little bit of change. Now, what, in digging in this a little bit, one the, of the interesting thing is these rules have been in place since like 1968. Uh, now, they'll go to the Oversight Committee in April on the 20th, and then they will probably be uh, restamped at that point, but as you and I talked recently, uh, still, I mean, five years ago, uh, the difference in uh, the time of the game uh, has gone from three hours and sixteen minutes and three hours and twenty-one minutes. I mean, this is this is a lot of effort and work, and it bill for five minutes.
1: Well, look, I'm I'm the old man on the front porch screaming at the yard, guy to get out of my lawn. Yeah you know i I don't know what everybody's in a hurry for what to get back to their phone,
3: yeah, probably yeah, yes, um but uh, but and again uh, and and I see this every day, and you probably do too. people think they're gonna cut commercials well, uh that's not <laughs> okay. happening folks uh the uh that's the last thing the t v ever is gonna do, <clears throat> so if you're gonna do anything. I don't. I don't. I haven't heard right now. They're going to cut halftime any more uh, than what it is, and the bands deserve a show too uh, to go along with this. And I'm sure they're couching this some of it with player safety, less plays. But they've even figured this out, Bill. It would only be ten plays less per game.
1: Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, it's kind of kind of weird for sure. Brent Beard our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Brent Beard. Hey, um, it sounds like Sal Sincere is going to leave Alabama, and uh, he he's been on and off that staff what three times since yep. Nick took over. It seems like Charlie Strong is going back to Alabama's defensive analyst. Could he replace right. Sinceri as the defensive tackles coach if that does kind of happen?
3: Maybe. And that's interesting. Um, it, now, what happened actually with Sinceri is his last year or two, he was off the field and was an analyst. Uh, I think a lot of Alabama fans would probably prefer him be back on the field as a defensive tackles coach, defensive line coach. Ultimately, they like to get Bo Davis, who's at Texas, who was there before. Uh, but uh, Sal is going to Colorado uh on that staff, uh, and they're strong, uh, is coming to Alabama as a defensive analyst. Uh, now, a lot of a lot of teams, Florida, Georgia, Bama, uh, have got these guys. And and if folks want to know what I've been told, and you may be told something different, is they all have a job to do. Making plans, and so forth, and they all get paid about forty dollars to $60,000 a year. So uh, these analyst jobs, Bill, aren't, aren't real glamorous, are, are they? Uh, but for these guys, if you're looking for a job uh, in the interim, uh, you go be an analyst for somebody, and that works out rather well. All
1: right, you mentioned Auburn's already started. Uh, are they going to – is Hugh Freeze going to really determine whether Robbie Ashford's it and then perhaps, if not, go shopping for a quarterback after spring practice? Do you think that's the thought process there?
3: Maybe. and I mean, they've got other uh, guys. Uh, they've got a retro- freshman holding. Finley's them. still
1: there, isn't
3: he? Yeah, yeah, and T.J. Finley's a junior now, Bill. Uh, so he certainly has been around for a while. Now, to your point, though, uh, I mean, you do wonder. He's given the lip service of uh, Hugh has that uh, well, we can work with Robbie and these guys and see what we can do with them. Uh, I don't know if if Robbie Ashford would be the answer for them. Now, part of the problem is, again, they've got to rebuild their offensive line. Uh, they lost six guys that were contributors to it last year. They allowed 30 sacks, so they've got to get that uh, straightened out too. Uh, and, and, again, as we've talked before, Brian Horson and Gus Malzahn just didn't recruit linemen for whatever reason. So, uh, Bill, as much as the quarterbacks, they've got to redo their line of scrimmage, which is just probably is important.
1: I tell you, you say that, and you're 100% right. But the first thing that comes to my mind is earlier today I was talking with a friend of mine. We were talking Georgia football, and I told him the most consequential loss in the last 15 years in Georgia Football was when Alabama beat the crap out of Georgia in 2015, and Kirby Smart, who would take over the pro program six weeks later, saw how bad the lines of scrimmage were. Yeah. And turned around in no. the first ten minutes of his press conference, said maybe the first five minutes, maybe the first three minutes, lines of scrimmage. Why yeah. can't these coaches get it?
3: I, I look. I don't know. Uh, I I agree with that totally. I remember that well. And anytime. That uh, you see a uh, Georgia national championship year chronicled, it usually begins with the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, but and and
1: and you know what, Brent? Not only in the games, but the ability for those players who have been recruited at a high level to practice against the other side yes. Monday yes. through Friday.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. There's. I mean, I mean, look, I I, I get the uh, uh, I get the issues he's got right now. But tell me an offensive lineman at Georgia that hadn't gotten better going against Jalen Carter.
1: Exactly. I mean, so, it's uh, fairly clear. But, but
3: <laughs> I, think, I think what happens, Bill, is these guys fall in love with their quarterbacks in 7-on-7 seven seven football, and they kind of forget I don't. Know, I don't think they forget it, but they don't emphasize the line enough uh, until their quarterback. Uh, sacked. My point, uh, point in case is Will Levis in Kentucky. Everybody's raving about Will Levis going to the draft. Well, the problem is Will Levis was sacked an ungodly amount of times. Yeah. They have a much much better year if their line of scrimmage would have been better. No
1: question. They don't dip down at all from the ten win season they had in twenty twenty one. Correct. Correct. And, and you know, I, I look. I know. Uh, like I was just looking again at Broderick Jones. This past weekend in Indianapolis, 6'5", 3'11". He ran a sub-5, 40-yard dash, which mm-hmm. was the best among offensive linemen. Five-star yeah. prospect on high school, and I get it. Not everybody can get those players. They just can't. It's just not mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Georgia couldn't get him. Georgia had to go to Rhode Island and get a transfer yeah. to play sure. starting left tackle in the first year for Kirby because he didn't have any depth. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. But it's like, God, find some athletic offensive linemen and give them good coaching and make them better. If you can't get five stars, and I don't know, it just seemed like people aren't able to to get it. Hey, um, so Anthony Richardson had a great combine. And, again, Georgia fans are going to have to be convinced, Brent, because, you know, look, he just didn't play that well against Georgia, and he only played 20 games, and it's like, really? Um, But there's no question the skill set is there. You think he's top ten?
3: No, no. I really don't. I mean, I'm Bill. You and I watch too much football over the years, and you, at some point, you have to trust your eyes. And the thing I remember about Anthony Richardson at Florida is the Vanderbilt game. Instead of the ball, instead of throwing a hail mary, he throws the ball in the stands. Uh, in the FSU game, at one point he was over eleven. Uh, and ended up being nine twenty-seven. And even Richard, to his credit, after the game said, uh, Somebody asked him, Well, what do you need to improve on now? Uh, and he said, Well, I've got to figure out how the world. I was 9 and 27. So my, my thing with him is uh, look, it, it was going to be obvious that he was going to uh, uh, it, it, to have all the variables, measure out really well. But, Bill, I, I am, you remember the Georgia game because you and I were there, but, but it was. Uh, Bill, can he throw uh, a a better than a seven yard pass on third and eight? <clears throat> that that's the thing I want to see out of Anthony Richardson.
1: Well, and we were talking a moment ago with Jeff Danzer and he's like, you know, Will Levison, Anthony Richardson both struggled against Georgia, and yet Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud did not. Shouldn't that tell you something? And it's a fair question. I mean, I know Georgia's defense was almost NFL like, but if that's what you want to see, right, you want to see Stroud do well against a defense like that compared to Richardson, who, I mean, that's why Georgia fans are like, huh?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure that. And look, hopefully for the kid uh, that he would do well, uh, met him at Media Days, could help be impressed by him. I mean, he's a tremendous specimen, tremendous athlete. But but, uh, look, Bill. Here, here's your reality is, um, I mean, uh, but by now, uh, when we were talking about the Georgia quarterback situation a few minutes ago, I guarantee you they know, it, uh, I mean, they want to see how it plays out. But those Georgia coaches know who can throw better than the other and, and who's more accurate. And particularly on that level, uh, in the NFL, it, it, I mean, Bill, you – your window tightens up considerably, and you've got to be able to throw the ball accurately. I, I know they think that they, they all can make him into Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, but, and I give Jalen Hurts credit because he improved to that point. But I, say, I still say, Bill, at this point in your career, if you can't throw accurately, it's going to be a struggle, is it not?
1: Well, and that, I think they're just trying to, making the next Josh Allen. And let's be honest, after Allen came out of Wyoming, Ken Dorsey worked great magic with him yeah. to make him a better quarterback. That's why Dorsey got the O.C. job in in Buffalo. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. It's just uh, – it's interesting for sure. Hey, yeah, real quick before we let you go, I, I know we occasionally like to talk Jaguars because I know you love them so much. You root what? for them and have that big teal thing probably in your yeah. in your living room. Um, they, they franchised Evan Ingram today, and that they had to do that, didn't they? That was huge yeah. oh, for them, yeah. along with the Calvin Ridley news, yeah. which, I mean, great targets for Trevor Lawrence moving forward, right?
3: Well, and that's what they've got to be able to do. I mean, the first thing they had to do was to, and they still need to continue to prove it, uh, to come up with a line to protect him. Uh, and then, number two, they've got to get him someone to throw, him to, to throw it to. So Ingram was one of the guys that that they had to keep Ridley, uh, I'm sure will help them, uh, but the, you know the the thing that people don't understand is you would um, uh, because of just the work with the Falcons in in the NFL is they they were very fortunate this year, Bill. I mean they had they had, they had some extremely good fortune at the end of some games. They had several games where the opposing quarterback got hurt. Uh, and they've got a tougher schedule this year, and and, and people here just think automatically, well, uh, they're they're going to win 14, 15 games next year uh, d- uh, d- just because of the national progression. Uh, that That's hard to do in, in college and certainly hard to do in that league.
1: Well, they've got a lot of key pieces. There's no doubt about that. That'll be fun to watch as they move along with that Ridley and Ingram News was big for them and big for Trevor Lawrence today. They just got a. Work on that line and scrimmage in on that defense for sure. Brent, great stuff. Thank you.
3: And, and, and as I go, Ron Ron Thomas being cleared for Georgia, I think is probably bigger than the people realize.
1: Huge. Him and Dominic, love it. I mean, my guy, that's yeah. probably the two biggest free agent acquisitions in college football.
3: I, I love it. uh, love it. Didn't have any drops last year, but by the no,
1: way. No, he's unbelievable.
3: 50 catches, Bill, that, that, that was the best of yeah. the nation.
1: Yeah, I mean, right off the bat in January, they got two significant players. No question. And I can't believe there's any more uh, players that are coming to my mind. I mean, I know there's been some quarterbacks that have changed places, but mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the kid going to Notre Dame is pretty big from, what, North Carolina, but Devin I mean, Leary, not North Kentucky, Carolina. From,
3: but he's uh, been hurt a little bit, but, but no, I'm with you. Yeah. Four, certainly, four skill possession players, Bill, receivers. Uh, right. no one's any better than
1: that. No, the Wake Forest kid, Hartman went to North, Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And not yes. Drake May. That's what I'm thinking about. And yeah, I mean, Leary going to Kentucky, but he's been hurt. He was hurt last yes. year and missed half the season. Correct. I mean, you got someone who was right under a thousand yards receiving going to UGA. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's Absolutely. like you
1: said, who didn't drop a pass. I mean, that's, that's scary. It really is. Brent, thank you. Have a good week.
3: Always brother. Take care.
1: Russ and I will be back, talk a little bit more football, and then we'll open the phone lines back after this. Thanks for being with us here on this Monday. Bill and Russ here, we'll uh, have a short segment now and come back, open up the phone lines here in just a moment for you to join us at the top of the hour. I tell you, I kind of laughed when I was getting all excited, reading off all these names earlier in the show, Russ, about the obvious candidates that we as fans can assume the Atlanta Falcons would be interested in, including the four that I mentioned that had significant experience and success at sacking the quarterback with Khalil Mack and Frank Clark, Leonard Floyd, Bud Dupree, two outside linebackers, two defensive ends, which I I think we know Atlanta needs. And (laughs) I've been so disappointed by this team on a regular basis that, you know, they they may look at this list and say, we got something else in mind. And maybe it would be the better. I don't know. But I I, I need to temper my enthusiasm. But we have not been in this position very often where the Falcons have this much financial flexibility, to use one of our favorite terms. And therefore, I mean, to me, the more – options that are available like the ones that have came up and available made available today because of lack of offers and routines or whatever the better chance we have of the falcons doing something that number 1 will be good number 2 that we'll like
2: yeah well yeah there's that um <laughs> you know you got to <laughs> you got to be careful uh, cuz you don't want to get locked into a bad deal you know this is where this is where the rebuild and yes it's a rebuild gets hard Uh, Because you have to – first, you know, and this is something Alex Anthopoulos talks a lot about, the self-evaluation. You know, where are you at on Agondizhe, Ibakidi, and Malone as outside linebackers? Right. right? You know, what do you think about them? And also, how is this going to fit into your scheme? If Lorenzo Carter and Rashawn Evans are out, do you need to add more linebackers? Are you going to go to a more four-man front if you're going to do that? Then that's where the Bud Dupree's come into play because you need defensive ends. If you're going to stay more three-four, then you go back to the Leonard Floyds of the world. So you you've got to make that decision too. And again, you know you, you've got to be very, 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 very careful. You know, Orlando Brown is the name we mentioned. As a tackle, if you're going to play the Orlando Brown game, you got to make sure you're not getting damaged goods and everything's good to go because at 26 years old with his pass, he's going to cost a lot, a lot of money, and those are the that's where you can't no swing gosh. and miss. You can swing and miss in the fifth, fifth round of the draft. You cannot swing and miss in free agency. Mm-mm. Well, you're right. I mean, if you're going to make that kind of commitment,
1: and Orlando Brown was a name that we mentioned back in early part of the season, Russ, And we assumed there was no way that Kansas City would let him go. Well, now it's going to happen. And, again, that age is the difference, right? That is what kind of sets him apart to make you think, wow, that could be someone who, if you're going to spend a lot of money on someone, you want to do it on someone who's 26 compared to 30. Now, again, it doesn't mean that one of these guys, I mean, look, um, Clark and Dupree are both 30. Floyd will be t- 31, Max 32. Doesn't mean that one of those four who are over the age of 30 or will be by the time the season starts cannot be someone that you can bring in. I think they need a veteran like that, and I'm going to use that Cornelius Bennett comparison from 25 years ago that I just think is a good one when they brought him in and and he helped solidify that defense there that went to the Super Bowl. But you have, you're right. You have to make a decision of – because, look, are, are they going to spend a lot of money on one player and then try to get good deals? And, look, Russ, that may be Jesse Bates. It may be James Bradbury, right? It may be someone from a secondary. I mean, we don't know what their preference is. Bates has been linked to Atlanta a lot. He looks like a premier safety. He's got an agent that reps a lot of Atlanta players. Is that the way they want to go? Um, but, man, you got lines of scrimmage, guys, Russ. Again, the same thing we were talking about. It's not much different what we were talking about a minute ago with Brent when it comes to lines of scrimmage. You've got some possibilities there, and especially from what you can do to, to put someone next to Grady
2: Jarrett. Yeah. I mean, Clark would look pretty good next to him. I mean, really, I mean, this, this team is – you signed the right two or three guys on defense, and you're talking about a playoff team. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind about, about it. Yeah. Playoff winner, possibly, in the
1: NFC. Because it's open. The door's open for sure. All right. We got plenty for you to call in and talk about baseball, basketball, football. It is packed with stuff to talk about, and we'd love to talk with you. 478 646 3776. Let's hear from you from all over Middle Georgia, from Brunswick, from Savannah, from Waycross and Blackshear. We'd love to hear from you from all over the state of Georgia as we talk Georgia sports here on The Bill Shank Show.